Hello, hello, and welcome to the ISV Society Podcast. I am your host, Amy Keenan, and I am so excited to be here and chat with you. So first off, you may be asking, what is the ISV Society? Well, it's a membership just for ISVs, where we collaborate, educate, and generate leads in an affordable way. From webinars to blogs, as well as monthly mastermind meetings, these are just some of the ways we're working together. This podcast is also another way to bring the content to you. There'll be marketing tips and tricks, ISV guests, as well as fellow marketing professionals. Just think of it as your one-stop shop, all things channel marketing. It's all about the power of collaboration. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the ISV Society podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I'm so excited for my guest today. It is Cheryl Salazar, who is the partner and EVP of the Partner Marketing Group. Welcome, Cheryl. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate you inviting me to talk to your audience today. And I appreciate you joining me. This is great. I'm excited for our conversation today. Likewise. So today we're going to talk about, obviously, your role and background. I know you've been in the channel for over 30 years, so that's exciting. And then how the Partner Marketing Group helps partners and ISVs, as well as the new technology and marketing benchmark and trends report that you guys just launched to the world for people to download. And we'll put that link in the show notes, as well as some new programs and services you'll be offering. So a lot to talk about today. So I'm excited to dive in. So let's start with your role and background. All right. So I guess um, just a little bit about my background. We'll start there and then we'll go on to the role. So um, as you mentioned, I've been in the channel a very long time. Me too. Yeah, you'll know how old I am. I I like to think I have a lot of uh, wisdom and background that benefits our customers. So in my tenure in this industry, I have um, been in a number of different roles. So I've worked for Microsoft themselves. I have worked for a Microsoft distributor and under uh, that umbrella, I was the product manager. I also helped on the support desk. I did one of the very first versions of the Microsoft um, Systems Engineer certifications back when uh, Mail was still on a Unix platform. So that will kind of date me definitely right there. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, worked for an ISV um, Global Systems Integrator. Uh, basically, the only role I've never had is working within a reseller organization. Um, but so when I was laid off at Microsoft back in 2010, I, um, after sitting at home a couple of months driving my husband crazy, he said to me, <laughs> you know, you really should get on LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I was rolling my eyes and I get on LinkedIn and lo and behold, I find all my uh, work colleagues. And one of the first contacts I made was uh, Cheryl Strecky. So those of you who know um, the partner marketing group, uh, you know, we've been around for 15 years. It was started by Cheryl Strecky and Michelle Glenny. And uh, Cheryl and I actually worked on the same team at Microsoft. 
anyway, I made connection with Cheryl and within two minutes, she, I, I guess in those days, messaged me, emailed me, I can't remember, um, said, hey, are you looking for a job? And I'm like, mm, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really how I came to join the partner marketing group. So initially as a consultant, and then when Cheryl retired five years ago, uh, Michelle and I bought her out. And so we are now co-owners, uh, partners. Michelle has uh, been around in this company longer than I have. But, um, and we, the way we pass out what we do, Amy, to kind of lead into the next part of this call is what do we do for partners? Um we almost have, I would say, two disciplines in our company. One being our content development and creation arm, which is really the part of the business that Michelle and her small army of writers and designers managers. And what we do under that umbrella is really build content that's custom for our um, clients. So if you want to go to market in the distribution industry or it could be um, wine distribution or mining or you, you name it, you name your industry, you need thought leadership content, top of the funnel content, case studies, infographics, um, web pages, whatever that might be. That is all managed out of the team of writers and designers that we have. And then um, on the other side of the business, which is kind of where I spend most of my time, because I, I really, I tell all my clients, I can write an email, you know, I can do things like that, but I'm really not a copywriter and I'm definitely not a designer. So if you want great content, you really need to engage somebody who knows how to write um, in a compelling way for your audience. So I focus, and this is more my skill set, on uh, developing strategic marketing plans. It might be like year one, we do this, year two, three, four, we do that, and really help partners manage through that process. I do a lot of things around keyword analysis, helping partners really find their opportunity when it comes to search and optimizing their website. Um, we don't go into pay-per-click and those types of campaigns. We have a couple of companies we work with who do a phenomenal job and at the end of the day marketing is such a broad discipline you can't be an expert at everything so they ever right. some things that we outsource um and so um you know when we look at partner types we basically work with all kinds of partners we have um, a lot of resellers or value-added uh, providers. We work with publishers directly. So some of the big names, Microsoft, Trade, Search Intact, NetSuite, Acumatica, we work with them. Um, we work with ISPs, we work with MSPs, you know, Acronym Soup, Deluxe, CSPs, which is the cloud solution providers uh, program with Microsoft. So all partner types, but really what they do is they are trying to sell the technology that they have built um, or customize or implement to an end user. So that's really our sweet spot is working with technology companies. That's awesome. I feel like you do everything. <laughs> Pretty much. And if any, and if any partner or ISV needs help in any area of marketing, then you guys can handle it. 
uh, we can handle it or we can at least steer them in the right direction yes. if we're not a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a great not, niche. You guys have like, yeah. yeah, 15 years is a long time. And I've known, and I've, and I've, I had the privilege of knowing you guys for that long and, and we've always collaborated together like today. So I've always uh, loved what you guys have done for the channel and how you help. It's really a great organization and great content that you guys deliver. Yeah, thank you. you know, that's why we like this um, ecosystem is because it is a little bit like the family, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. you're squatting, most of the times you're getting along and being good friends, you know, it's just... Um, I think we're all good at making each other successful. Yes, exactly. And what I'm excited to talk about next is the uh, technology and marketing benchmarks and trends report, the 2023 version that you guys just launched. And I love that you put this out every year. And I try to always take that survey every year to provide my feedback. So if you'd I would love for you to just share some great insights from that with the listeners, if you could. Uh -oh. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for filling out the survey. Um, from anybody who's run a survey before will know that that is the most difficult thing to do yes. is get people to respond, <laughs> respond in, in sufficient quantity that the, the results of the survey are meaningful. So whoever has filled it out, we really appreciate it. And the next survey will go live in August. So um, watch out for that. It takes us a long time to gather the data, compile the data, kind of read in the tea leaves or read in the data, you know, what are people really doing and then uh, produce something that's really meaningful. So as you mentioned, we just released this, I think, two weeks ago. And the report covers a lot of different areas. And what it's really designed to do is help the marketing people within our ecosystem, the, te the technology ecosystem, understand what other people what other companies are doing and where they are finding success one of the main questions we get asked by our uh, clients is well what's working for everybody else you know should i do that or, or what do you recommend i do so this report addresses that question somewhat so we cover budget planning you know what kind of marketing resources do you have in in-house how much of that do you outsource where do you focus your lead generation and what's working for you do you do content and what type of content then we dive into social media because that's kind of one of the areas people are still kind of on the fence you know how much do i dip my toe in the water you know, how do I measure success? Do I get leads from social media? What if I don't do any social media? So that section really addresses um, those questions. We look at SEO, SEM, um, marketing automation, which um, I will just remind our audience, uh, MailChimp and Constant Contact are not marketing automation systems. So that's a common misbelief in our channel. So we, we talk about that and then we do cover off some survey demographics because I think it's important for people to see the diversity of responses that we get. That's um, a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of content. So the, the report itself is, you know, if you take off the front page and the back page, it's about 40 pages long, but it's very graphical. So it's easy to read and consume. We try to keep it light on the eyes and easy on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And the part that I really want to dive into today is, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what to do with lead generation. Mm -hmm. how, much, how much of their budget should they put in this or that? Um, we've just been through all kinds of turmoil with events. And, you know, we're not people going to go back. And if I put all my money in Community Summit, are 15,000 people going to be there? And, you know, there's so many questions that we're still trying to answer. So I would say of our report, the, the three pages that really talk about what are the most active uh, lead gen tactics, what are the ones driving the most results, one of which are the ones that people are not seeing results from. I think those are uh, three really important pages. And so if I just talk about last year, and um, it seems like the number one tactic people are still indulging in, I'm going to say some indulgence because it's a very frustrating tactic, is email marketing. And I can tell you just from my inbox, if I'm kind of the canary in the coal mine, the very first thing I'm doing in the morning is deleting all those emails because I, it, everybody gets inundated, right? You're trying to do the work that's meaningful to you and everybody is trying to sell you their latest widget. So um, that's one of the first things I do is I delete my email if I, if I don't recognize the company. Um, the second one is uh, content creation. So uh, partners are seeing a lot of value in that content creation. And just a reminder for our audience, content creation is many different things. Yes. It's, um, <laughs> it's email, <laughs> web pages, infographics, uh, data sheets, case studies, videos, social media posts, graphics, podcasts like the one we're on today, uh, webinars. Um, so when you look across all the different types of content you are creating, you need to at some point try to measure which ones are your most valuable assets. And a lot of that answer depends on the audience you're going after. So, for example, if you are marketing to um, companies who spend most of their day not on their computer, you know, I'm just saying to pick on a landscaping company just for argument's sake. Those guys are probably never on their computer, right? So how do you reach a landscaping company? So you really need to think about where does my audience read their content? How do they like to be communicated with? And then once you understand all of that, it's bring you back out to, okay, what types of tactics and content pieces do I need for that audience? Um and then I see number three is SEO. So SEO is still very important, um, especially now because Google is almost like an answer engine. And I pick on Google, like even though I'm a, mainly a Microsoft person, my default browser is Google. I spend a lot of time on Google. But we also need to think about Edge and what Microsoft is doing in those areas. Um, basically, whatever your search engine is, it's become an answer engine. So people are looking not just for results, but they're looking for answers to their questions. So SEO is also a very long game. It's mm -hmm. six, six, 12, 18 months for it to pay out. And often people really lose heart because they're like, well, we've been blogging every week for, I don't know, since, you know, uh, before COVID and we still don't have any results. But 
the way to answer that is, well, if you didn't blog, you know, what does your web traffic look like? And and so there's lots of other things behind that that you need to consider before you abandon things like blogging. Um, and then number five is referrals. And I would say, especially in the technology industry, technology can be really complex and it comes down to customer experience. So if you're looking for a referral, you need to make sure that you're delighting your customers first and foremost, and that you are always servicing what they need. You're checking in with them on a regular basis, not just annually when it's time for their renewal and you want your credit card number. If customers have a good experience with you as a company, they would be more than happy to refer you to somebody else they know. So a very important tactic and I think one that is often overlooked. Mm -hmm. And it is a lot of work to do have a ref have a really good referral program. I wouldn't I, I mean if you're gonna put that as a as a lead generation tactic, then you really have to put some think you know thinking behind it, some planning behind it, some strategy behind it, and really have something great in place to be able to execute it properly. Yeah, that's right. And especially if you look at uh, the behavior today of um, just our, our prospects and and the whole shopping experience. I mean, how often do you go to, a, you know, you're looking for a restaurant to go to dinner, you're reading the reviews, you know, what did people say about the food and the service? And, and so reviews all form part of it, right? So if you mm -hmm. have a great experience, ask that client for a review, um, testimonials, case studies, because as we look at changing demographics within our industry, our buyers are getting younger. And right. those younger buyers, they look everywhere else before they even land on your website. So they, they want to see what other people say about you. And, um, you know, they, some people may get a bad review and I, there's almost nothing you can do about a bad review except for it's how you handle and respond to that bad review because right. they all look at that too you know how do you handle adversity if you're in that kind of situation what is your response so all of that is kind of public information um but if i could move on amy to the yeah. 10 most effective and the 10 least effective which is it's kind of interesting as well so the 10 most effective and i'm not going to go through all 10 but it's kind of the, the leader is clearly account-based marketing, which um, you can even do that on a small scale with a somewhat limited budget. The whole point being really understanding who you want to go after and then doing really deep profiling associated with that account and then do more of a one-to-one -one touch with the, with the person you're trying to get on the phone or on email or whatever. You know, basically you're trying to get a response back from them. Um, so that's the leading tactic as 32% of our respondents said that was the number one um, source of leads in 2022. Second is blogging. Um, then we have content creation, direct mail, and email marketing. Now, on my previous um, slide, where uh, I forget what the title was on that one, but it was um, the most active lead generation tactics. Direct mail was there from the bottom, like very few people use that. But for those people who did use it, they say that's one of their most effective tactics. And I noticed that behavior in myself. You know, I might delete your email. I'm never picking up my phone. I will um, 
if somebody messages me via LinkedIn, I, I will look and if it's relevant to me, I will respond. But, you know, if somebody sends me something in a joint mail, I'm probably going to look at it because mm-hmm. it, 10 years ago, I would never have had that answer. I would have just tossed it all in, in the recycling. Now I'm like, well, somebody sent me something. I'm going to sit down and read it. Um, so if we look at some of the older tactics, you know, kind of go back to your industry and how they like their content, the direct mail piece may be great for, for some of the partners. I feel like then, direct mail is coming back. Yes, direct mail is coming back. And even and I think uh, because of COVID, it kindly, kind of helped it, helped it come back just because no one was leaving the house. So how are you going to get people's attention? You're going to send them something in the mail. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even the lumpy mailer, you know, when yep. you're sending a little something, yeah, people are like, look what I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then number five on 10 most effective is actually email marketing. Um, so now I'm going to switch over to the least effective. And number one is email marketing. <laughs> And I always smile at that because, you know, email is just a tricky thing. You really have to play with it to see what works for you. You know, people responding to the two-liner, you know, as in just two lines of text. Do you need a pretty banner so your email looks professional? Is it going to hit spam filters and not go through? Um, It's really understanding your audience and what they are trying to do is what makes your email effective and just sending out like thousands and thousands every week is not going to get you any results you really have to look at that strategy and fine-tune it mm-hmm. um the second one is social media posts which is not surprising when i see some of the social media posts out there i'm seeing stock images and things just like stuff posted for the sake of keeping your company property alive and kind of on life support um there's nothing really meaningful being shared that's useful for the audience so um and, and not everybody falls in that bucket right there's some partners who do in a really phenomenal right. job um number three is blogging so 10 minutes effective what number two was blogging and least effective number three was blogging um and i think maybe looking at the nature of those blogs and measuring them I find that things like the how-to blogs are the most useful and tend to get the most um, pick up with search engines because we're all looking for free advice. Nobody wants to pay for your advice anymore. They all want it free. Um, Telemarketing, which is not surprising because the days of the robo-dialer are gone. Um, (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Sometimes I scratch my head. I'm like, why are you throwing your money away after telemarketing? That's right up there with buying lists. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, There are some companies who do do a great job, but I encourage partners to think about it's a business development role. You're Mm -hmm. trying to build a relationship with somebody. It's not like I'm going to dial 10,000 numbers, leave a message, move on. Those days are definitely behind us. I think it's just a really bad experience. Right. but really thinking about it differently, you know, if you're trying to do business development, that immediately just changes the focus of that. And then five is webinars. So that one is interesting to me because, and I and I think maybe is we've been overwhelmed now with webinars. 
Whereas mm -hmm. before COVID, we had events, we did lots of other things. We weren't always tethered to our desks looking at webinars. Now we're all in webinar mode. And speaking for myself, I don't often have time just, you know, I might have five other meetings going on, but I want the content. The important thing about the webinar is just to allow people to register and send them a recording. I will often do that later in my day, take yes. the time to, to listen to the content. So I and the other thing about webinars that I encourage people to think about is you put them on YouTube, they're the gift that keeps on giving. Five mm -hmm. years, people come back to that webinar, and there you go. But if you're not there to start with, then you've missed the opportunity. Exactly. Well, those are some great um, insights. I, I'm so glad you shared them. I'm excited to uh, read the rest of the report. And again, we'll put that link in the show notes for everybody so they can download the report themselves. Uh, to wrap it up, I'm so excited for you to chat with us today about your new program and services that you launched this year. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So, um, and this is this applies only to the Microsoft partners who may be listening to this recording. Okay. My, as the Microsoft um, Partner Center is how Microsoft is managing all of their partners, whether you're a managed partner down to the smallest partner. It's a tool where you, as a partner, assuming you are transacting under the cloud uh, solution partner program, the CSP program, because it is dependent somewhat on um, what customers are buying that's cloud-related because they pick up tele telemetry signals and more. I mean, it's, it's a, if you're a math person, lots of algorithms behind this tool. But the way that you would use it to manage your relationship with Microsoft is very, very depending on the size of the business, your industry focus, the type of business, whether you're in more on the Azure side of the house or the modern work side of the house versus the dynamics or business applications and power platform side of the house. Um, that's how they manage your certifications. Um, your attainment in terms of um, the, the number of points that you need to attain to use the new Microsoft Solution Partner, partner badges. Um, under that is things like your certifications and the maintenance of those, customer usage of the software, new custom ads, etc. Um, there's this um, for, for all partners who have cloud customers um, using like Microsoft 365, D365, whatever it might be, there is information in Partner Center, um, which is called the Cloud Ascent data. And what that Cloud Ascent data is designed to show you as a partner is based on the customers that are associated with you, which one of which of them are ready for upsell into other areas. So if you're predominantly a Microsoft Dynamics CE type partner, it's going to show you which of those prospects might be ripe for Business Central or FNO, which ones might be ripe for like Azure Backup, which ones might be ripe for M365. So it, it gives clues to partners as to what they can do to continue to service their, their clients and gain more of the revenue. And then Partner Center is also a tool where you could do things like manage your co-op dollars with Microsoft. So you do need to attain certain thresholds, but once you attain them, there is 
there are dollars in there that are assigned to you as a partner that you can use for marketing activities. Um, it's also where you would go and share your opportunities with Microsoft. Um, so if you're looking to, to engage further with Microsoft, especially on a field level, the expectation is that you do share your opportunities with Microsoft so they get to understand and learn more about your business and when you succeed. And then they know when to pull you in to opportunities and work with them together. And then finally, I mean, partner center can go on all day, but finally, <laughs> um, kind of the most important thing, especially for this audience, the ISVs is getting their offers co-sell ready and on app source, right? That's yep. kind of, that's where you start the game, uh, uh, getting those listings up and and depending whether you're doing FNO or Business Central or CE, um, you go through kind of this checking process to make sure that your tool uh, is working the way it should with the software. So, yeah, I feel so like that's, that's a great program because I know I've you know been on AppSource, I've dealt with Microsoft, and it's a little bit overwhelming just to figure it all out and know what you should be doing. Are you doing it right? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Is it effective? Are things set up correctly? So it's really nice that you guys have this program to really help ISVs navigate the whole water, Microsoft waters as we are transitioning from a lot of us who have been in the channel for so long, celebrate uh, selling GP or those on-premise products. And now we're moving to this cloud-based app source type of atmosphere where everybody wants just to be able to download and do plug and play. So it's really a total different way of selling. Yeah, completely different. And, and there's a transition, right? To go from this on-prem to a monthly recurring revenue, annual rec recurring revenue model. So mm -hmm. um, it's not an easy transition, but I think for everybody in our audience, it's a necessary one. Yes. And if you go on AppSource, you know there's thousands of uh, solutions out there. So how do you stand out? So there's a lot that goes into it. And I, th I feel like having someone to help you navigate those waters is, is so helpful and tremendously valuable. So that's awesome that you're offering that service. Yep, I am here with anybody needs assistance. Well, thank you, Cheryl, so much for joining me this week on the ISV Society podcast. It was so great to chat with you about all of these things. And I, again, I will be putting all the information in the show notes for everybody, but I just want to say thank you so much for being here, Cheryl. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much, Amy. And thank you everyone for tuning in this week. I really do appreciate it. Feel free to comment and share and let me know what else you'd like to me to talk about, any topics or guests, and I'd be happy to do that. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Have a great day. You've just listened to another episode of the ISV Society podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe and or share with your team. I would love to also hear your feedback and share any tips and tricks or topics that you'd like to hear in my upcoming episodes. Have a great week.